Hey, Kerry again with Best of Us Investors, the guy with the cool coffee cup. Um, I've told you on a number of occasions that the, um, the channel is going through a transition, and what I want to make it is your toolbox, the toolbox you can go to to make better investment decisions. And in that toolbox, we have introduced you to a, a platform called Stock Card. Uh, Jacob shared it with you as a, a AI uh, means of searching stocks and finding stocks that you want to t learn more about. We've talked to you about the trading views, uh, the charting system I use that I call my um, psychiatrist to give me views into the past so I can feel more comfortable with what's in the future and, and make good investment decisions. Then I talk to you about seeking alpha, the means by which you can go learn more. I mean, one of the ways you can learn is and educate yourself is through reading, but also, uh, and that's books, but also through things like Seeking Alpha that you can gain some strength and gain some knowledge. Then we have our Discord. That's where you go to Best of Us Investors. You come join us as a group, as, as a tribe to make better investment decisions. Someone said, I should not call it a tribe, I should call it a community. Whatever you wanna call it, you call it that. Then we have, we've had some, added some uh, presenters. Trent, my son, who just recently talked to you about the investment opportunity in bonds that is currently presenting itself. Mark will be coming in the net in this next week. Uh, he is more of a value investor. And then Jacob, who you've met before, um, is going to talk more about bioscience. And that's what I want to do. He is bringing us um, an interview with the head scientist of immune uh, sciences, and they're going to explain the drug that they're developing. And then he's going to follow up with another video uh, with uh, the CEO of the company. And this is some in-depth ways for you to become a better investor. And that's what I want best of us investors to become. We're not just a coffee cup maker. Uh, we are, in fact, we make hats as well. We are, we want to be your source for knowledge. Now, do we invest like other YouTube channels do? Maybe not. We're not looking for that flash in the pan. We're looking for that so that that investment that maybe is ahead of the market and but has more in-depth knowledge what i want to do is not be your financial advisor i want to educate you so stick with this um right after this you're going to meet jacob and the head scientist yes the head scientist so listen closely this is deep Best of Us Investors presents Kerry Griegmeier. Hello, everyone. Um, thank you for watching this video. Uh, we have a real special guest. We have Professor uh, Mark Lodell from Immune Bio here with us. He'll give a quick introduction. But before that, I just wanted to tell you that this is part of a three-part video series. The first part is already up. And that's, uh, that's on just a basic background of the company. And then today we're going to talk about specifically their oncology drug, Incommune, um, with uh, Professor Liddell. And then finally, we we're going to be talking with the CEO of the company, RJ Tessie, um, Dr. RJ Tessie, and uh, hopefully get a little bit more background on the company. 
So with that being said, uh, um, Professor, would you be able to introduce yourself? Yeah, hello, and thanks for doing this, uh, uh, Jacob. So um, I'm a professor of immunology, uh, a cancer immunologist by training uh, over many years, so 30-odd years of looking at immune responses to cancer. And um, means come out of, of my research lab at University College London, um, where we identified a way of activating a patient's immune response against their cancer and took it into clinical trials and then developed generation two, which is Inkmune, uh, and put it into, into immune bias. So I'll be pleased to, to, to talk to you about it today. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. Um, so I guess a good basic first question is, what is Inkmune and how does it compare to other NK um, immunotherapy platforms being developed in, in clinical trials? That's a very good question. So Inkmune is very, very unique. In fact, so unique, we've <clears throat> coined a whole new word for it. So Inkmune is what we're calling a pseudokine. So the immune system works by uh, cells and proteins in the blood interacting with each other. And immune cells make signaling molecules called cytokines, um, i.e. cell and cell and movement, cytokinesis from, from the Greek. Um, and cytokines are, are uh, circulating in our body all the time, and many of them are used to activate or suppress the immune system um, that they control our immune response. Um, cytokines don't work in, singly, they work in, in unison. Uh, and, and for many years, people have tried to use cytokines to tailor an immune response to, to, or initiate an immune response to cancer. <clears throat> the first one uh, was IL-2, interleukin-2, which activates T cells, but it also activates natural killer cells. And natural killer cells are in all of us. They are our primary defense against viral infection and cancer. Uh, and if you don't have natural killer cells, you, um, don't, you don't even get born. Um, you, uh, you die in utero. So they're, they're very fundamental to us. And in fact, we share them with earthworms and, and sponges. You know. um, so we know that NK cells are very, very important in, in immune response to cancer and actually in immune surveillance. They go around your body looking for cancer cells and killing them. So if you get cancer, it's largely or certainly partly in many cases due to uh, failure of your NK cells. And so we were looking at how you might potentiate the NK cell response. We knew that interleukin-2 works, but it's very toxic to give to the doses that you need to sustain an NK response. There are other NK activating cytokines like IL-12, IL-15 and IL-18. And in vivo, they all work together. Uh, and in, if you use them in vitro, i.e. outside the body in a test tube, you can activate NK cells really, really well to kill all sorts of tumor cells. But you can't give lots of cytokines to patients because it's very toxic. You get this condition called cytokine release syndrome, where you, the body becomes hyperinflammatory and it, it, it kills you. Incommune provides many, many, many of the signals that IL-2, IL-12, IL-15, IL-18 does. And we're only now dissecting all of those signals. Um, but it provides them provides multiple signals at the same time. And in the lab, they activate NK cells as good or better than IL-2 and IL-15 and IL-18. Um, and in the body where we've treated patients with these cells, they still give those multiple signals as if you'd given lots of cytokines. But because Incommune only binds to NK cells, it doesn't bind to other cells of the immune system. And so therefore you don't get these, these, these side effects of, of cytokine release syndrome. Um, we've given really quite high doses to, to at least the, the, the second patient we treated um, with no adverse events whatsoever. Uh, and yet we do see systemic activation of NK cells in these patients. Um, and these NK cells are so activated that when we take them out of the patient into the blood, they kill 
uh, NK resistant tumor cells. So uh, incommune is it's a cell, it's a tumor cell which is um, grown in uh, as a medicine in, in a pharmaceutical manufacturing facility. And then it's made replication incompetent, so it can't form a tumor in the patient, uh, and that's incommune. So the cell line is called MB16, and when it's made replication incompetent, it's incommune, and then that's when it becomes the pseudokine that activates NK cells like multiple cytokines. All right, yeah, perfect. So that kind of touches briefly on my next question. And um, so that's what exactly does incommune do? Um, so I think the best way to ask this question is, could you give a brief um, explanation. So just a quick summary. So if I'm walking Absolutely. on the street and someone asks, what exactly does it do? What's my brief response to them? Yeah. So incommune binds to, to resting NK cells, um, which we have in our peripheral blood. And then we call it ligating. It ligates molecules on the surface of the NK cell that gives it critical signals to switch it on. That's basically all it does, but it gives multiple signals all at the same time and gets that NK cell from being at rest to being primed and ready to kill uh, a tumor cell. All right, perfect. So we we have the background, we kind of have how it works. So my question is, what is the purpose of incommune? So what are some um, like use cases that we have for it? So um, there have been lots and lots and lots of papers over the years showing that um, patients with lots of NK cells in their tumor do better than patients with the same cancer that don't have very many tumor infiltrating NK cells. There are also papers showing that individuals with good NK function do better when they've got cancer than patients with poor NK function. And we only published a few, a couple of years ago now in, in one of the, the blood disorders called myelodysplastic syndrome. And all of the patients who were still alive two years after initiating uh, routine treatment were those who had good NK function. And those who had poor NK function all died within two years. So we know that if you can take, uh, we, we then hypothesize that if you can take these patients with low, poor performing NK cells and make them have better performing NK cells, you could push them into that survivor, uh, survivor group. Uh, and that's what immune appears to be doing in terms of our biomarkers. It is moving these patients from low performing NK cells to high performing NK cells. Uh, and, and that uh, we, we believe will lead to uh, improved outcome in, in, the, in these patients. All right, that's, that's very exciting. Um, so how certain are you at this stage that innate NK cells that have been primed by incommune will actually start killing tumor cells in the body in a manner that's sufficient to speak of as a effective drug therapy? Yeah, well, that, that's the aim of all clinical trials. Uh, trying to find out whether your therapy works. In the laboratory, uh, immune primes NK cells from patients to kill their tumors better. So we've published a number of, of papers showing that. Uh, most recently, I guess, in, in ovarian cancer, where we've taken NK cells from the peritoneal cavity of patients with a, ovarian cancer and demonstrated that the, these cells get switched on by immune uh, to kill uh, ovarian tumors. Uh, and they do so by part of that is making the NK cells stick to the tumor cell. Uh, and anyone that's got the time to go to our website should have a look at the, the videos there uh, that are linked to, to the YouTube videos, because there are some great photo videos of um, or video micrographs of NK cells treated with immune killing tumor cells. And, and they're, they're great to watch. Um, so 
what we can't say at this stage in the clinical trial development is whether we've cured any patients. What I can say is that patient one um, is clinically better than he was before he was treated. So he's completed treatment. He's completed follow-up. He's now six months post-treatment, and he is clinically better than he was when we, um, uh, we initiated treatment. So in cancer, there are performance scores called ECOGs, uh, and an ECOG of five is very sick, and an ECOG of zero is normal. Uh, he had an ECOG of um, above two, and his ECOG is now zero. Uh, and he's not transfusion dependent. He is not in hospital. Um, and so we believe we've had uh, a clinical effect. But how big that effect is and, and how long, we, we don't know. It's too early. We've treated other patients compassionately. And our second patient, the, the first patient we treated compassionately, um, had been in hospital for six months and was entirely transfusion dependent, couldn't go home for risk of infection. Uh, and a month after she completed treatment, she was discharged and she's been at home ever since. Uh, and we were waiting follow up to see what effect we've had on her and her disease um, in, in her bone marrow. Uh, and the third patient, once again, uh, had very, very high levels of disease. We've treated him and we're waiting to see what, what his counts are. So at the moment, I can't say whether um, Incommune um, is curative for these patients. It certainly put three patients in a better position than they were before they were treated. Um, that, that's what the clinicians tell us. Um, and we're waiting now to enroll more patients and, uh, and go through the, the traditional um, formal clinical trial process. Yeah, those, those are very exciting results. And that's part of why we're here talking to you, obviously. Um, so my next question is, what is the durability of response uh, for this uh, therapy? Because obviously oncology drugs are very expensive and that's a struggle for many oncology drugs. Yeah, particularly in the field of cellular oncology drugs. So the CAR-Ts that you're probably familiar with, um, you know, chimeric antiseptic T-cell is a very expensive drug to make. It's a very expensive drug to supply and it's specific to the patient. It's an, an autologous therapy. So it's absolutely unique to that patient. Uh, and I, I think the charges in the States are you know, close on to half a million dollars uh, for a treatment. Now, incubine is very different. It's a, it's a immortalized cell line. It grows you know, in, in large vats. We can make very large amounts of, of incubine uh, very cost effectively. So it's not going to be an, when it is successful and when it is um, on the market. And I can say when because I believe in it. But um, that is a very affordable drug to deliver. Uh, and it's very easily delivered because it's shipped at minus 80, just like, like many other drugs, and it can be stored in hospital pharmacies much more easily than, than a CAR T-cell or, or other NK cell therapy. So the NK cell therapies that are out there at the moment are all adoptive NK cells. They're either from healthy donors or they're from IPS cell lines. Um, they require manufacturing outside the body and then shipping um, in large doses to give to patients. Incumune is different because obviously it is this pseudokine. Um, it, it's a suspension of cells um, and they don't have to survive in the patient very long because they activate the patient's own NK cells. So you haven't got this persistence problem that you have with allogeneic NK therapies that are being rejected. These cells come in and they activate the patient's own NK cells. And because it's so cost effective, in, in the clinical trials, we're giving just three doses, one on day one, one on day eight, and one on day 15. And in the patients treated, we've detected activated NK cells for many months after. Um, in, in the clinical trial, we're only allowed to follow the 119 days. And still at 119 days, our first trial subject, 
had activated NK cells, which were memory-like NK cells, able to kill cancer cells, right out at day 119 when we, we stopped formal follow-up. So the, 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 the response seems to be sustained. The other patients, it's also been sustained, although we haven't monitored them for that long yet. They're still being followed. Um, but because it's a, um, an inexpensive and easy drug to deliver, there's no reason why, like most chemotherapies, you can't repeatedly treat a patient. And you think about um, uh, Gleevec, the most successful therapy uh, in, in the treatment of um, chronic mild leukemia ever. No one expects Gleevec to cure a patient. Patients are repeatedly treated with Gleevec. And we could think about Inkmune in the same way. Um, it doesn't have to be a, a treatment that in a single dose, like a CAR-T, cures you. Um, it can be a maintenance therapy because it's so low risk and it's so well tolerated um, that in, in an elderly patient population that couldn't be treated with, with something that was more aggressive, uh, Inkmune appears to be safe and uh, could be given in multiple, multiple treatments. So if you're talking about using Inkmune as a recurring um, treatment, what does the safety profile look like? So the, the patients so far have had three doses each, um, and the, the safety profile has been absolutely, in fact, when I said to the, uh, the clinician treating the patient, first patient treated in the trial, how was he? Because obviously, you know, we hadn't treated a patient yet. It was, I was very, very nervous. And he said, oh, well, if boredom was a reportable event in a clinical trial, he's had grade four boredom. So um, it's really, really well tolerated. And even the second patient who had three times the dose of the first patient, really well tolerated, no, no adverse effects whatsoever. Um, so we're not expecting there to be a, 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 toxic, uh, a toxicity problem, but obviously we're very early days yet. We're at the lowest dose in the formal trial. Um, and having seen so much activation, we may not even dose escalate uh, if the next three patients show the same response. So with how many, so what cancers have you treated so far with this um, drug and what cancers are there out there that you think could potentially work with this drug? That's a very good question. So um, the patients treated so far have had blood cancers. So the first patient was treated with a disease called myelodysplastic syndrome, where the bone marrow is being taken over by a clone of cells that pushes out the clones that make normal blood cells. So you end up without enough cells to fight infection called neutrophils. Um, you don't have enough cells to, to stop your blood, to the, the clot your blood in the event of a cut or platelets, uh, and you don't have enough red cells, which is what oxygenates your body. So um, uh, in all cases, in, 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 in that first patient, his blood counts uh, returned to a level of normality that he didn't require uh, transfusion support. So, um, so MDS is our, our lead uh, indication. Our second uh, indication in, in uh, the pipeline is ovarian cancer. Um, we're just having logistical problems in, in um, the, the technical issues of the catheter that you use to inject cells intraperitoneally. Um, but that's purely a, um, a, an issue of our regulatory filings. It's nothing to do with the drug. Um, we've got very, very good data uh, in other diseases in the lab, in vitro. So we've got great data for killing um, uh, another blood disease called myeloma. And I would love to do a trial in myeloma, and we're working on that at the moment. We've got very good data against breast cancer, um, including triple negative breast cancer. So that's another area that one could go to. Um, 
But I think uh, after um, uh, ovarian cancer, our next trial will probably be in renal cell carcinoma, where there's been a lot of NK cell work, and the problem has been sustaining large doses of NK cells in those patients. But we know that renal cell cancer is a great target for NK killing. Um, and the other one we're looking at at the moment, we've just received um, uh, a collaborative funding with a, a group in Hong Kong, the Chinese University of Hong Kong, uh, to look at nasopharyngeal cancer, which is a huge problem in Asia. It's a big problem in the US, but it's a huge problem in Asia. Um, and we're just doing the experiments this week uh, to confirm immune's ability to, to activate NK cells to target nasopharyngeal cancer. So that's where we're going in the near future. But um, we've looked at prostate. It's another good target. So yeah, um, NK cells see lots of different uh, tumor-related molecules. So it's not like a CAR-T that's specific for a single antigen. Sure. That's obviously very exciting that there's a, a large market out there. Um, so with how does Incommune deal with don't eat me signaling? Uh, so from uh, my reading, yeah, from yeah. my reading, I understand that um, this is a very relevant thing and that it is downregulated. Some receptors are downregulated because of Incommune. So um, uh, don't eat me is something that tumor cells uh, express this molecule called SERP-alpha, which um, uh, interacts with CD47 um, on uh, tumor-associated macrophages. Uh, and macrophages eat tumor cells, so you can avoid being eaten. That's not a mechanism that NK cells use. In fact, NK cells express SERP-alpha themselves, and they express CD47, so they, they stop themselves from being eaten by the tumors, by, by the tumor-associated macrophages in the tumor. So, um, the don't eat me signal is, is not so relevant for, for okay. cases. Okay. That's well, obviously that's very exciting. Um, so, so one, one thing about in community, obviously that you've talked about is it's very easy to manufacture and it can be manufactured relatively cheaply. Um, could you explain a little bit on where that stands in numbers? For example, what, what do you think uh, a potential range of the drug price could be down the road? Oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm not a drug pricing person. I'm a scientist and drug pricing is a separate, is a, is a whole um, uh, industry. Um, we certainly manufacture at a price that is, uh, I have several jobs, but so I'm a part-time CSO for Immune Bio, but in order to, to make this function, I retain my university chair. So I'm still a professor at University College London. And I run a manufacturing facility for lots of clinical trials for advanced therapies. Uh, I think we're the busiest in Europe. So we manufacture CAR-Ts, we manufacture mesenchymal stromal cells, we manufacture tumor infiltrating lymphocytes. And I can tell you that compared to the other cell therapies that we manufacture, the actual cost of goods, because that's all I know, I don't know what one would sell a drug for, but our cost of goods for Incommune is about 10% of what it is for all our other products that we manufacture. All right. so, yeah, well, yes, very cheap drug to make. For sure. Very exciting. Um, well, that's all the questions I have. So is there anything else that you wanted to touch on or mention while you're here? Um, so I think and it was for your listeners, if you go to the Immune Bio website, there's a really nice um, uh, videographic little uh, animation showing how Incune, uh, how Incune works in a cartoon uh, and digitized fashion, which uh, I've done the voiceover for. So it does explain in depth how Incum works, um, it shows some of the molecular, molecular interactions, uh, but it all, it, it, it's very accessible. So I would recommend going and having a look at that. 
Awesome. Yeah. So thank you again for giving us your time and uh, answering our questions and being a part of this. And with that being said, uh, thank you for watching the episode and I hope you have a good day. Thank you very much to everyone who's joined us. Cheers. Okay. That's where this channel is going. That's where Best of Us Investors is going. Uh, I, I want to be a place you can come every day and you can find a source of knowledge and you can sort through it and say, yes, that's part of what I want to add into my toolbox to become a better investor. I don't want you to, I, that. it's not my place to say I don't want you. I want you to, I want to expose you to a different way of approaching investing. Don't accept anything blindly on YouTube or any place else. Put your toolbox together, put, and it may cost you. It may cost you to get a stock card membership or a, a, a trading views or seeking alpha or joining our Discord. You aren't going to, I guess it was, who was it that said something to me in college once? You aren't going to make money without spending some money. Uh, so you decide how far you want to go with this and what you are willing to invest into it. Invest financially as well as invest intellectually. I want to help you on both those fronts. Okay, again, Kerry Grinkmeyer, Best of Us Investors. Uh, we have a tribe. We meet uh, on a rate every day, and then we have a uh, conference call on Zoom uh, every Friday where we sit around the fire and talk about what's happened last week and what's going to happen next week. Talk to you again tomorrow.